North Pole Hotline, Mrs. Claus here. My holiday shopping list is so big, I can't wait for Black Friday. Get to Old Navy's biggest sale of the year starting tomorrow. Old Navy? Beat the crowds for 50% off your entire purchase. 50% off? Plus, this Friday only, Old Navy's famous cozy socks are just a buck in stores. Old Navy's giving $1 for every pair sold up to a million dollars to boys and girls clubs. So I can do good, look good, and get 50% off your entire purchase at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1121 to 1123. Exclusions apply. See store for details. Cozy socks valid 1123 in stores only. Limit 10. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, you guys. Thanks so much for joining me for another show. This is Dr. Low Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Lauren Noel, naturopathic doctor. I work here down in San Diego, work with patients locally in my neck of the woods and all over the country. So if you are feeling like you're working with your doctor and maybe not getting answers, or you feel like you guys speak two different languages, you're wanting to try natural medicine, I'd love to work with you. You can learn more about me at drlaurennoel.com. Also, fun, exciting news, my uh, clinic website is now officially done and uh, published, so check it out. It's shinenaturalmedicine.com. Before, we had just kind of a basic, like, placeholder kind of site with our um, information and all that good stuff, and it's really been amazing how busy we've been despite not really having a beautiful website, so it's been a labor of love getting it, you know, exactly right, and it's always kind of a work in progress, so please go over and check that out when you guys can, and gosh, so much has been going on on, on my end since uh, since my last show. Actually, um, I think you guys knew the update that I fell down the stairs, so I've been kind of nursing a, a hurt back, and that's been just... That's been tough, you know. I feel like I've really um, started to empathize with uh, patients who deal with chronic pain, and it's gotten a lot better, but still have a lot of work to go. I have um, three protruding discs and um, had a lot of nerve pain down my leg and uh, still have numbness in my hips. So it's uh, it's been interesting, and I, it's crazy just I feel like this is crazy, but I feel like the best thing that ever happened to me was my fall because it just started to have me – look at, you know, um, the love in my life and being able to appreciate and, and accept um, help from people. And it's just been amazing just the, the, the love that's kind of formed around me with friends and family and people just having to step up and my staff and everything. It's just been awesome. So it's been very therapeutic um, despite the pain. So, you know, it's always the silver lining. You know, it's every, every kind of experience, even if it's something that's painful, you can always find the, the hidden blessing that's in it because it's always teaching you something. You know, it's always there to grow you in some way. And so that's it's been uh, it's been awesome. So uh, part of that actually is is uh, adrenal health that comes with it. So I had just been go 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 like crazy, uh, just going to this conference and that conference, and you know just burning the candle at both ends. And it's stress can be good because it can be fun, but it can also really take a toll on the body. And I started to, to really feel that I was dragging and. Uh, and then having an injury, too, on top of it, it was all just a lot of stress. So I've been very conscious about taking care of my adrenals again and getting my sleep back on track, and uh, and it's it's made a big difference. And so it's perfect timing for the show tonight on adrenal fatigue and how to reset your adrenals using diet. I firmly believe in food as medicine. I really believe that every plate of food you have can be healing or it can be taking away from your health. And I know our guest on the show tonight, Dr. Alan Christensen, totally is on the same page with that. So really excited to have him on. He is the author of the brand new book, The Adrenal Reset Diet. He's a good friend of mine. He's just the most delightful guy and has the most awesome laugh. You guys will hear that tonight. So Dr. Alan Christensen, he is an Arizona-based naturopathic physician who helps people overcome adrenal and thyroid disorders and achieve lasting fat loss. Hello. So many people do with fat loss issues. He authored the best-selling Complete Idiot's Guide to uh, Thyroid Disease. 
Healing Hashimoto's, and the Adrenal Reset Diet. Dr. Christensen is the founding physician behind Integrative Health. You can learn more about him at drchristensen.com. So, Dr. Christensen, it's so good to have you. Thanks for coming on the show. Welcome to Dr. Low Radio. Hey, Dr. Low, awesome to be here with you. So, so oh glad my you're gosh. doing better. What a thing. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's um wow. It was it was such a unexpected thing that happened. I was walking down the stairs, my 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 uh, socks slipped out in front of me and landed right on my spine and it's it's crazy because oh, no. it was so meant to be. I feel like it was really meant to happen, which is just, you know, at the time I'm going this didn't happen and I can't believe this happened. But looking back now, it was really what was meant to happen at the time for me to just slow down and just start to kind of prioritizing things, start to say no to things. And I think especially as women, sometimes it can be really hard because we want to just take care of everybody. So, you know, prioritizing and um, and also having a lot of empathy for people and realizing what pain is like. So it's been a blessing, but hasn't been the most fun thing to experience. So thank you for saying wow. that. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, thank you. And so much of that comes down to adrenals. So I love this topic, and you have written such an amazing book putting this together. And I know that, yeah, you're one of the only – people who are, you know, prominent online, so you definitely have an online reach, which is awesome, but also someone who still has a practice, and you still see patients, and I'm so inspired by that, and I know there's been times with my clinic, managing the two has been so challenging, and I've reached out to you, like, how do I do this, and you just find a way to <laughs> to manage the two, and it's, it's really inspiring that you've been able to do that, so... Um, you haven't been on the show before, which is crazy, because I wanted to get you on before, but you're here. So for, for my guests who, who don't know your story, I'd love to hear a little bit more personally about you, you know, what got you into this realm, and also just, um, you know, picking this topic of adrenals now to, to be writing about. You know, for sure. And I think like a lot of us in the health space, I came into this from my own my own journey, which is, is always ongoing, right? <laughs> but the, yeah. The big start the big start was being an epileptic kid with a cerebral palsy, a lot of difficulties with movement, you know, really couldn't run or play or do things like that, and led me to being an obese, uh, nerdy adolescent. <laughs> and, uh, Love it. Yeah, I had a pretty vivid memory of being called out in a seventh grade gym class, and I thought that I thought that my shape wasn't quite as severe, it wasn't quite as obvious. I was pretty wrong. I was, you know, about like 5'6 and 190 pounds, and it was pretty bad. So wow. I I was devastated, yeah. And I was I was a bookish kid, and I read a lot of books. I grabbed armfuls of library books and made a plan about just you know, turning my life around and my health, and it actually worked for me. But it was wild because I, I remember having this vivid moment of seeing myself a few years later, and, you know, I was now doing sports for the first time and, and enjoying it and, you know, running and really enjoying the physicality of it. And I realized, I'm like, wow, you know, we had, I had seen doctors. My parents take me to doctors for these things. And I always thought they were well-intentioned, but nothing that I really received from them was helpful. And here, yeah. me as a random 12-year-old looking at books was able to make a bigger change than the professionals were. I'm like, wow, there's there's got to be a big gap. And a lot of people out there are really struggling. So, mm-hmm. you know, in medical school, I I saw that, to me, thyroid disease really represented one of the biggest examples of that, where there was so many that were not being served well, from my judgment, from both the conventional and the alternative side. From there, looking at managing diseases that caused obesity, seeing that there was this looming crisis, and that I didn't see great explanations for the scope of it. So that was where the, the next phase of working on the relevance of adrenal health came in from. Yeah. And I love how you're 
your personal story has, has fed in so much to the way that you practice and, um, and, and you, you know, you're able to have that way that you can really understand patients because you've had your own health, obviously your health experience, you know what it's like to, to be suffering and how to heal your body with natural kind of treatments. And, and, you know, we've, we've talked about adrenals before on the show, but kind of just as a part of a topic with other kinds of topics, but we haven't really just dove into it specifically and how to really heal it and reset it. And that's why I love, I love the book that you put together. And, and I, I believe so much in food as medicine, like, like I've said, and, you know, naturopathic medicine, we're all about that. So, and I don't think we give enough power to nutrition and how much it can really heal the body. So I'm super excited to dive into the topic, but I think first off, we got to take a step back and look at this whole topic of adrenal fatigue and adrenal dysfunction. I love your dog's barking in the background. That's awesome. I'm sure my dog will bark at some point. <laughs> what kind of dog do you have? I, I can't just let that slide. What do you have? I'm a dog freak. You know, we've got a mutt. That's actually the neighbor's dog. I'm, I'm moving down the opposite <laughs> side of the yard. <laughs> That's impressive. <laughs> the dog has some lungs. Wow, it's awesome. Um <laughs> So, uh, so talking about, you know, what's, what really is this adrenal fatigue issue? You know, there's so many different definitions of it where some people say you have strong adrenals and eventually, you know, they get tired and then you have flatline. And then other people say that it can, they they can actually go straight to flatline. And, um, and then there's like dysregulation, right? Where you have like low cortisol in the morning, high at night. So what are we talking about with this adrenal fatigue or dysfunction? What does this mean exactly? And, and, you know, I use this tool a lot for my patients because, um, a lot of my patients have have never even heard of adrenal fatigue or don't even know what the adrenals are. So let's just kind of briefly start with that, like a little mini intro to it. And then we can dive into what's, you know, how it affects it and how to fix it. You know, and I think the intro is very important. I'm glad you brought that up. People often think of it as like you've got these batteries. You've got batteries in your back, and if you run them out, they're empty. <laughs> and yeah. It's really not quite what's going on. You know, that was our earlier understanding of the process. And actually, one of the earlier books said that it was a mild version of Addison's disease, which is a disease in which the glands just give out. And we really see now that that's, that's not the case. So here's, here's an analogy. Uh, I grew up on a farm, and we had this old farm truck that Grandpa loved, and it was about to die, but we could use it to haul some of the bigger halos. And he put a he put a can of beans under the gas pedal so you couldn't hit the gas pedal all the way down, and that made the engine survive. <laughs> so mm-hmm. in the case of Addison's disease, in the case of a disease state, the engine's wrecked. You know, the body cannot produce these hormones. But in the case of dysfunction, the engine's not the, the best, but the body's intentionally slowing it. You put a can under the gas pedal, you're slowing the stimulation. So it's not that your body cannot make adrenal hormones. It's that your body does not want to make adrenal hormones. <laughs> yeah. So, so one, one model in alternative medicine is just, just to replace, just to give, give cortisol, give lots of hormones that seem to be lacking. And there are certainly times to where we can see benefits of symptoms of that, but, but you're right. I would argue that this is something that can be really reset and fixed, and food is the, the most direct remedy for everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I think, too, when, when I'm doing my intake with patients, I always ask, how's your stress? What, what's your stress level like, if you could rate it like 0 to 10? And for many people, they will say, you know, I don't really feel stressed. And then as we dive deeper – there's so many different things that could be potentially contributing to this whole this whole uh 
issue for them. So what right. are some of the things that can contribute to adrenal fatigue or dysfunction, and what are maybe the more unknown ones or the ones we wouldn't normally think of? Yeah, we, we, have, a, we have a good cultural concept of stress. We'll think about the, the, the nasty boss or the, the difficulties in traffic, and, you know, that, that's so real. That's so powerful. And at the same time, the adrenals are doing a lot of different things, and a lot of different factors can, can tax them that include but also are more than mental-emotional stress. So a big one is managing our blood sugar. You know, we've got to keep the right amount of glucose in our bloodstream for our brain to work. And apart from eating, there's a whole lot of internal mechanisms that keep that in place. The adrenals are a big part of that. Then mm-hmm. we also think about managing all the other hormones. So there's this big perimenopause and menopause, and you've done a great job educating your listeners about these topics. And a lot of that transition involves the ovaries slowing down and the adrenals picking up the slack. So they also are stressed just from the biological age process. Then we have the big load of environmental toxins that's ever-increasing, and we've got processed foods, we've got climate control, we don't get cold at night, you know, we've got artificial light, and all these things collectively, they create this total load of adrenal stress that leads to dysfunction. We have the perfect culture for adrenal fatigue, don't we? It's like just the, <laughs> it's like the recipe for disaster. <laughs> it's a perfect storm. It's a setup, and it's, it's rampant stuff. And the funny thing is that the conventional world, there's some that still don't see that this is a real thing. And I think, I think in the alternative world, alternative world, we're partially to blame because we talked about it as a disease. And it's, yeah, it's not a disease. It's really a biological response. It's the body trying to adapt to difficult circumstances. But it's, it's very real, and there's just mountains of research on how strong this can affect our health. You know, this may be a stronger predictor of longevity than smoking status is based on some studies. It's huge. Wow, yeah. And the adrenals do so much in in preventing cancer and helping to keep your energy stable, and it's part of your immune system. So when they're tired, it can really contribute to things down the line. So what would be some clues that uh, someone listening, maybe maybe they don't have the the money to necessarily go through all the testing to get their adrenals checked. What would be some clues that this could be something that they're dealing with? You know, symptoms that change predictably throughout the day is the biggest single thing. So if, you, if you've got an afternoon crash, that, that's pretty typical. Or if you wake up at a certain time in the middle of the night. One of the most unique things about the adrenals, along with the other factors, is that they control your daily rhythms. So anything that happen on a daily schedule regularly that are not good may have some involvement of the adrenals working, not working right. What about things and, uh, like craving? Is that a possi- possible craving, one, too? For sure. Blood sugar can drop off. You can crave sweet things. People can crave salty things to keep the blood pressure back up. You know, one more job of the adrenals is that they help to keep us from losing all of our electrolytes. So whenever they're mm-hmm. taxed or underperforming in some way, we need more, more minerals, more, more electrolytes. You know, an easy thing, too, we've got adrenalquiz.com. There's a simple website with a free quiz that, anyone can take, and it tells them if their adrenals are off, if so, to what degree, and then some easy practical steps they can take for them too. Mm-hmm. What about chronically low blood pressure? For sure. One? So, mm-hmm. yeah, so low blood pressure. With that, people can notice that they can get up quickly and feel dizzy for a few moments, like they're about to, about to black out, like they're kind of like about to faint. And another thing too is that 
um, unexplained random pain in the legs, you know, muscular pain in the legs, especially with prolonged standing can go along with that as well. So that's, that's a real big specific one as well. And it's hard because many symptoms are very nonspecific, like fatigue or depression or mood changes, but they're still real. But the, the blood pressure, the things changing throughout the time of day, um, and also tendency towards real low blood sugar. So someone knows that if they miss a meal, they're going to be just really edgy or shaky. Those are all very strong, more specific adrenal symptoms. Mm-hmm. It's funny because for myself, I know when I'm really pushing it too too hard, my main thing I notice is sensitivity to light. Do you see that with patients? Sure, sure. Yep, that happens as well. There's this whole sympathetic, parasympathetic dance that goes on in our fight or flight and our feed and breed system, and they affect so many things, including with how well our pupils can constrict and dilate in response to light changes. So, yeah, when there's stress on those glands, we have a harder time adapting to radical changes in light. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of ways to, to check for cortisol. Um, I know for myself with patients, I'm doing, you know, four points of, of uh, salivary cortisol throughout the day. Is that the way that you test it? Is there another way that you're checking for this in your practice? No, I'm, I'm with you. That's my personal favorite. I've, I've done, I do use all of it. Typically, we use that and also serum. And I like to have them overlap mm-hmm. at one point so I can just compare the two. Uh, in the in the study that I did, I, I've done t- tons of 24-hour urine studies and also a lot of hair cortisol studies, which are pretty interesting. Hmm. So what we've learned so what in the you, last what, several years... No, go ahead. No, I, did, I was actually just... I was cutting you off. I was asking what your thoughts were on the 24-hour urine, but you were going to answer that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I was going to talk more about the hair, but I'll mention that. 24-hour urine, it, it's a great way to gauge total total production for a period of time. And that's, that's especially relevant for disease state. Like if you're looking at simple overproduction or underproduction, or if you're thinking about odd cortisol-like other hormones being made in high amount, it's useful for that. But in terms of more adrenal dysfunction, not not as helpful to gauge it typically. Um, the, the heroin's pretty fascinating to me. Uh, we're learning a lot about these adrenal hormones. And now a big thing is that they're not just from the adrenals. So the adrenals set the ball in motion. They make a really powerful hormone called cortisol and then a weaker hormone called cortisone. And the belly fat is very active in shifting those hormones back and forth. So many people that have problems with weight and adrenal, adrenal, adrenal disease, adrenal dysfunction, it's as much what the fat is making out of the adrenal hormones as what the adrenals are making out of them. And that's mm-hmm. where hair cortisol comes in to show not just what the adrenals are making, but what the whole body is producing. I know that this is something that I, I see more, most commonly in women as they're getting older and their their hormones are dropping. And they say, I just, for the first time in my life, I'm gaining weight in the midsection. I just, no matter what I do, no matter how much Pilates I do or cardio I do, I have this tire that just will not go away. So what's going on with that? That's exactly what's happening, and it's a survival response. The body is making higher amounts of cortisol in the belly fat, and it's causing more belly fat to be stored. You know, all these things that you mentioned about being things that stress the adrenals, like things we've talked about, our body interprets those the way it does the fight-or-flight response. And there's actually another F that goes with the fight-or-flight, and it might not be what you think, but it's famine. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. The stress response, the fight-or-flight response, part of that was tied into us surviving famine or food shortages. 
So we would hunker down and store our food away as fat quicker than we would before. So, yeah, perimenopause, the stressors of life, they push us into this state of famine and food food storage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our bodies are smart. They're doing what they need to do to be balanced, but it's not always something that we like. <laughs> well, yeah, it was it was smart in the context of how our genes spent the bulk of their time. But, yeah, the perfect storm of the modern world sometimes is counterproductive for us. Yeah. So with your with your book, you have a, a unique approach with using diet to help to repair the adrenals. And it's different than, okay, take this herb and then it's going to raise your cortisol. So talk a little bit about what's unique about your book because I, I love how you've taken a very different approach with this. Yeah, for sure. You know, the thought process was I realized that this was a big thing behind the obesity crisis was this cumulative load of adrenal stress. And I realized a lot of factors are driving it, you know, the ones you mentioned and the, the toxins and the stressors of life. And, and I, think that, I think that a shortcoming about the concept of stress is that we really have been trained to be almost defeatist or, or like, like a helpless stance against it. Like, okay, sure, I, I get that it's bad and it's big, but I can't change it, you know. And mm-hmm. I realized that all the, all the factors, we can't change all those factors. You know, we can't really live in a cave and chant all day long and have organic food prepared for us. And we can't, we can't do that. Right. So I wanted to think about, you know, what, what's the one thing that will move the needle the most and really repair this the most in meaningful ways. And also, something I realized is that, you know, a lot of our stress now for many of us is figuring out what the heck we can eat. You know, we get, mm-hmm. we get a lot of conflicting signals about, well, this food is good, that food is, that food is bad. And I promise there is not a food you could name that there isn't a rule somewhere that says it's bad. <laughs> right. So right. I thought, well, if we could start at food and, like, have a basic, simple diet that could give some clarity and take some of the pressure off of it and help the rhythms get fixed, that would be awesome. So that's what I really set out to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because certain certain foods in the diet could contribute to adrenal stress, and then that same food could potentially help to heal it for someone else, right? For sure. And then also the timing was important too. You know, we mentioned briefly about how you mentioned about the cravings and, and yeah, the adrenals are also controlling the blood sugar. And I thought a lot about that and I realized that there's some data I had seen before showing how uh, the ratio of carbs to protein could influence cortisol. And I thought, wow, why not use that strategically and why not use that intentionally? So that was the idea, was getting some clarity that, you know, carbs are not the devil, that for sure Twinkies are bad and sugar's bad, but there there is a place for appropriate amounts of healthy carbs. And when they're timed in the right way, they can be a tool to help to heal the adrenals. Absolutely. We've had the, the topic of uh, ketogenic diet on the show. We've had the topic of uh, vegan diets, higher carbs. I mean, there's just so many different. And paleo, of course, you probably had the most with, with the paleo realm. Uh, and, you know, the anti-anxiety diet and, and so many different ones. And, and you know, they're all, they're, all in, they're all customized for different kinds of patients and different presentations and what the goal is. From the, yeah. from the perspective of adrenals, <clears throat> what are some, you know, uh, specific kind of, uh, new, you know, nuances that you're seeing with diet that's really improving things? I know you talk about, like, cycling carbs. So talk a little bit about the diet approach with, with adrenal. Yeah, you mentioned how foods can stress them, and that's, and that's a big part of it. For starters, I want to just cut out some of the obvious foods that make things worse for them, and probably the biggest thing there being processed sugar. 
You know, it mm-hmm. makes our blood sugar go all over the place. And you have to work that much harder to chase it and manage it. So then the big sense was getting clarity on carbs. And the idea was that you want to have a good burst of adrenal hormones in the morning, and then you want to mm-hmm. shut them off so you can sleep at night. So imagine having a, you know, like pancakes and syrup and, uh, I don't know, uh, toast and jelly and, and juice for breakfast, and mm-hmm. you would crash in a matter of hours. You'd want to go back to bed. You wouldn't be alert and focused. So right. In the morning, your body does better on protein. So good quality, high-protein breakfast to sustain that morning cortisol spike. Now, at nighttime, you've got to unwind a little bit. So healthy carbs, you know, reasonable amounts and good unprocessed ones to help support the nighttime shutoff of cortisol. So we can make serotonin and melatonin and get the proper brain chemistry for deep restorative sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I educate my patients that sometimes when there's that drop of cortisol, at, or or if you or actually if your blood sugar drops in the middle of the night, you're gonna get that spike of stress hormones, right, to keep you yeah. basically keep you alive, and so your eyes pop open, you're you're wide awake. <sighs> Uh, is adding adding more of the, some of those good carbohydrates at bedtime, does that help to keep that more sustained? You know, at bedtime, usually more is not needed. If, if, the, if the evening meal is, you know, 5, 6 o'clock at night, uh, mm-hmm. we use a tool called a continuous glucose meter with hundreds of people, and it's pretty fascinating. That allows for the, for the listeners, that allowed us to see blood sugar scores 24 hours a day for seven days a week. And you're talking about people having the cortisol spike at night. What I encourage people to do when I would test them is to have them uh, press a button on the machine when that happens, when they would either wake up at night or when they would have random anxiety or panic symptoms or if they had sugar cravings, you know, hit the button and that would make a timestamp and that would show up on a graph of their blood sugar curves. And in many cases, I would also have them do a collection for a cortisol level. And, and boy, just as predictable as sunrise, wherever the timestamp showed up, they'd say, oh, yeah, that was where I woke up and my heart was racing and I had this conversation playing in my head. My mind wouldn't stop at 3 in the morning. So guess what? Like 10 minutes before then, their blood sugar was plummeting. And mm-hmm. you're right. Their body made a whole lot of stress hormones to rescue the blood sugar, and it made them feel that stress. So mm-hmm. by regulating the one, you can help the other. What uh, the numbers for for blood sugar? What what are you really liking for optimal? Where you see that this range, people tend to feel the best, and maybe below this, they're starting to get that kind of jittery and anxious and low blood sugar kind of feeling. Probably high seventies to to high nineties for for a good range. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm agreeing with that too. And, I, I've even I had a call with the patient even just a, a few hours ago, and she her blood sugar in the morning is about 72, and she gets this shaky feeling that lasts for hours. And to me, it sounds very adrenal and blood sugar related. And you know, and and having that, and, and her breakfast is typically oatmeal, right? So we're switching to doing a way sure. higher protein kind of breakfast, and I think that's going to make such a huge difference. Just that simple change. Yeah, and some people too, uh, they may not even have radically low blood sugar. But when you do check it in a more more sensitive way, you might notice that they've got a very rapid rate of change. So mm-hmm. I don't even do those tests that much anymore. They're a bit of a nuisance. Most of the time now, if I see symptoms like that that are better with food, I assume they're blood sugar. <laughs> it's, it's a strong connection. Right. So that would be maybe like the glucose insulin tolerance test, right, if we really wanted to dive into it and, and see more specifics. Is that well, what you're to referring be, to? to be pre- no. To be precise, to see the rate of change, that's the continuous glucose meter. 
because it shows mm-hmm. a quantified rate of change minute by minute. So the not not just not just like at set intervals, but it's showing it every minute, but it's also showing it how quickly it's changing from one minute to the next. And sometimes mm-hmm. the glucose score is not unusual, but the rate of change is very rapid. So someone might plummet from 90 to 75 over the course of just a minute mm-hmm. or so. And none of those readings are really bad or unusual, but the rate is so fast, it can still leave someone with those same types of symptoms. Yeah, and they really feel that. Interesting. Fascinating. So what um, what would be a, a very maybe surprising uh, food stressor, like something that's really seen as a maybe a health food or superfood or things that, you know, we just think of, oh, this is such a healthy food, something that could be contributing to adrenal issues for people. What's something you're seeing? Well, within the realm of healthy foods, um, I really I really like people to have more more range and more more variety. You know, some of the mm-hmm. ones that can be relevant for those that are really under adrenal stress are, are just things that are dentists and fructose. So even even mm-hmm. some of the good fruits can be there, and actually apples can be higher than others. But I, I really like the message to be not so much what is the what is the food that's harming you, but you know what are the foods that can heal you. What are the factors that can really repair this? And I see that our culture, we've gone so far about what are the little tiny things in foods, like people talk about oxalates nowadays or goitrogens or deponins or uh, compounds from uh, from some of the nightshade plants. And I think we've gotten a little bit too fearful. I think we've gotten a little right. bit uh, too worried about things. You know, I, I mentioned about the smoking briefly. So here was where that was from. There was a study of British civil servants from 2002 to 2006, and they tracked over 4,000 people for these years, pretty big spectrum of ages, both genders, and they were just seeing, you know, who who lived and who died and which which measurements of health were the strongest predictors. And they measured a lot of things that you'd expect, like, you know, waist circumference and blood sugar and blood pressure and you know, presence of uh, blood cholesterol and smoking status. But this one really got my attention because they also measured the the change in the cortisol rhythm. You, know, you talked about the four-point salivary cortisol that you do, which is awesome. This study, all they did was a morning and a midnight cortisol, and they called the two readings, the, the difference between the two, the cortisol slope. And when it was all said and done, you could literally be a heavy-smoking person with a bad heart but have a good, healthy, stress-resilient state and you would survive longer than the non-smoker with a good heart who's exercising, who's fit, but is totally screwed up on their stress response. So wow. I really encourage people to, you know, really, really make this, think about the priority. And, and boy, I, I read this study, you know, writing the, writing the manuscript, working on the book. This was years ago. And I was staying up, up late at night when I found this site, this citation, and I read this thing. And it was like speaking to me because I was doing my mm-hmm. best to, you know, be healthy and organic food and exercising and avoiding the chemicals and all that. And here I was thinking, well, you know, I'm a young, fit guy and I can stay up a little late and I can do this stuff every now and then. It's not a big deal. And I read this. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I've been, I've been putting my energies in the wrong areas. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. You know, enjoying your life, laughing, having time for play and taking time to just do nothing and relax. How how important is that? Those can be the biggest game changers in terms of your, your health, your longevity, and obviously your fun. <laughs> yeah, right. 
You know, I, I've just started adding in meditation for the first time in my life where I've actually been totally, like, pretty consistent. I've done 22 days of meditation and mostly consistent, like, mostly consecutively. And I've, I've been using this app called Headspace. Have you heard of Headspace? I've not heard of that particular one, no. It's awesome. It is uh, an, an app on the iPhone. I don't know if it's on um, other smartphones, but it's it's basically guided meditation, and it it is you know one day at a time. So it's not the, the same one every day. It's a different one for each day, and it builds on each other. So it's like you can't unlock the next day until you finish you know the day of, and it's ten minutes. You start ten minutes in the morning. You do they, they, the first part of it is called take ten. So it's 10 minutes a day for 10 days, really simple. And then after that, you graduate to 15 minutes a day and then 20. And um, it's crazy because it doesn't cost anything. It's 10 minutes. I do it in the morning, and I swear <laughs> it's made bigger difference than anything else I've ever done. <laughs> That's so Because cool. I'm starting my day doing that versus – you know, rolling over and checking Instagram and, you know, Facebook on my phone and looking at email while I'm laying there in bed, which is so common. It's crazy. I mean, I, I was on this kick for a little bit looking at YouTube and watching YouTube videos of morning rituals, like morning routines that people are doing, like just famous YouTubers that they were capturing what they do in the morning. And I swear, like 90% of them, and these are all like, you know, teenagers and college students. I don't know why I'm watching them. But it is interesting to me. They would roll over in bed and, and look at their, you know, social media in bed first thing. And, sure. and so many of us do that. I, you, so many of my patients were doing that. And instantly you're in reaction mode and you are, you know, reacting to what the rest of the world wants you to be doing and and, yeah. and, and comparing yourself to people right away. It's like instantly negativity <laughs> versus, okay, no, 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 don't look at the phone. Keep the phone in the other room. Start your day with that meditation. And I'm telling you, it's like night and day because it instantly starts your day with that, you know, mindful kind of uh, – perspective and it, it starts it with with what do you want to create that day and it's it's crazy just so how does this relate with with adrenals and why is it so powerful <laughs> that's that's huge and i love the way you talked about that because that's what the data tells us some people think about the idea of like relaxing relaxation practices and meditation and it seems like it's this big scary daunting thing that you've got to go to India and, you know, live in a cave and have a guru and spend decades on this. Right. And no, it's, it's like five, really five, ten minutes a day, and you can completely transform your health in the biggest ways. And the morning, you know, every facet of your health you can imagine, your your weight, your hormones, your immune system, all the, all the neurotransmitters that regulate your brain, your focus, they're all circadian. They all have a daily rhythm. Your leptin, your ghrelin, your serotonin, your insulin – Everything has a circadian cycle to it. The biggest factor of all that affects the whole day's rhythm is the cortisol awakening response. And that's how yeah. your morning plays out. That's like the, the, the conductor for the whole band, and the symphony is your health and your life. So that, that morning is what sets that tone. And, yeah, I love the mm-hmm. fact that you focus on that. When I talk to people, that's the, the things that I start with them on is really just what what are you eating in the morning? What do your rituals look like? Are you getting some sunlight? Because like you're saying, that that influences the whole day more than anything else. And it's easy. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's you know, along with it's the, simple. It's it's you know what, it's not easy to start as a habit, I will say, but it's simple. And once you get it as a habit, it is it is then it becomes so easy and it's just pushing through to where it becomes a regular thing. And now you know, now it's every day. I don't care if I'm on vacation or if I'm, you know, out of town at my parents' house or whatever, I'm I'm going to be doing that every morning. So um, 
I know I know you are I know you practice what you preach. I know obviously you've had to implement these kind of things in your life. Otherwise there's no way you would have been able to write, you know, I think three books now and have your practice Four, yeah. and everything you're doing. Four books now. <laughs> you're a machine. It's amazing. <laughs> so what what's kind of like your day to day routine? What are things that you do in your life that keep this really um, you know, that keep this in check? Well, you know, if you ask me Next year or last year, it's, it's always evolving. It's always changing. <laughs> um, I've I've done a I've done a lot of types of training and meditation. I've had times where I've had very long, elaborate rituals and practices. My my current favorite thing, <laughs> I mm. I have a uh, we in, in in the desert here in the Sonoran Desert. There's these dry rivers all over. We call these washes. And you know, once a century they have water, but they're basically just dry riverbeds. And there's there's one that's like, I don't know, a quarter mile from my house that I go to. And I've got this huge pile of rocks of all different sizes. And I've got a space that's about eh, probably, oh, 100, no, probably like 50 feet. And I've got another area that's kind of like cleared out. So the ritual is I have um, rocks of different sizes. One side is the smallest, one side is the biggest. And I do a exercise slash meditation. So I get a small rock first off, and I'm kind of doing this as I'm speaking. I'll hold it overhead with one hand, and I'll walk to the other cleared surface. So it's uneven terrain, it's rocky, and I've got to balance. And they're a little bit heavy, and so I'll try to be intentionally off balance, making it a challenge for my shoulder. And I'll walk to the opposite side as I'm walking. I'm just counting the steps. And really doing a, a slightly faster pace, so I'm doing like a, like, a, like a quadruple count. So each step is one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. And I, I get down to the other end and I drop off the rock. And I grab a grab another one and do the opposite hand and repeat that till the small rocks are gone. And there's this whole series of different movements that I do. The culmination, I'm really warmed up and really into this, the farthest end of the pile are the very biggest rocks. I can't lift these. But when I really knuckle down and use everything I've got, I can kind of drag or maybe flip them or kind of roll them a little bit, and I just work them down to the opposite side. So then the whole time it's counting breaths. There's there, there's, a, there's a mental focus that's going on and just engaging the whole core. And, you know, I'm a climber, so this helps to maintain my grip strength and keeps my skin strong so it doesn't tear off when I'm on the rock. And that's that's the current thing. <laughs> it takes about it. Takes about You're such a caveman. I love that. Well, it's <laughs> I should have known. What do you do for exercise? <laughs> oh, I just play with rocks and throw some rocks around. <laughs> well, it's pretty awesome because it's uh, it's just so tangible that like, there's this big pile and now it's over there. And I just did that. Right. You know, so there's this totally cool thing. I can just see the change and shift it. And, and I'm outdoors. You know, I'm always – it's nice, too, because being outside regularly, your body really acclimates. You know, so we have some yeah. extreme heat. But when I'm outside all the time – my body adjusts as the seasons go on. So the the, the you get the sunshine, and, the oxygen, you know, yeah. Right. Do you work out with your kids too? Um, yeah, my son will come with for those on occasion when I can drag him out of bed early enough. <laughs> <laughs> and do you have any kind of morning ritual? What do you What do you do typically in your mornings? So there's there's that, and then I'll typically make make up a shake and have a shake for breakfast and. Um, mm-hmm. I always take a little bit of time and do some do some journaling as well. Just really, the night before, I'll I'll quickly review the calendar for the day and make a few notes in a journal about 
some key things going on and my goals for the day and really, you know, who I want to connect with and some things I hope to have happen and some positive influence I want to have in some people's life. And so in the morning, I'll just journal that again and, you know, also look over to some of the top, top big uh, goals or things I want to see happen over the course of the, the next next month, the next quarter, the next year, and just keep those things on the top of my head. So that, that that's the mm-hmm. ritual. Yeah. Yeah, and you can tell that you've done that because you're very mindful and conscious about what you're creating. It's not like you're just letting the day sweep you up. You're you're creating that. So that's that's great. It's very powerful. Awesome. I love I love hearing that. And then also too what I'd love to hear too is um what did you eat today? <laughs> or if it's a day you're not proud of, what did you eat yesterday? <laughs> I want to get personal. <laughs> um, no, either day is fine. So let's see today. Well, this is kind of a weird thing. Today, uh, I've, I've been playing with making this this powdered mixture to occasionally replace food. I do this when I travel. Is it rock? Like to... I'm just kidding. No rocks. <laughs> no, no rocks. Okay. Um, I, I, I've been doing a blend of different things. Like this last one is pea protein, um, uh, oat, oat flour, uh, non-fortified nutritional yeast, uh, powdered spinach, powdered berries, big long list of like powdered superfoods, and uh, a few different nuts like Brazil nuts and pumpkin seeds, and I make a powder out of this. And so today was a day to where a pretty pretty busy day in the clinic, and sometimes with my doctors afterwards, we got to hang out and do some case reviews and stuff. So I just made a big a big mixture of that. And this morning, um, it was this morning was not a rock workout; it was a longer hike on the trail. So I just lived on the powder throughout the day, and I came home and. My wife had a really awesome dinner for us. We had a baby potatoes and a little bit of steak and some vegetables that she cooked in the in the roaster for about an hour or so, and with some broth that she made. And so that was yeah. that was our dinner. And pretty simple day. <laughs> yeah. How was how did it taste that powdered mix? Um, depends who you <laughs> ask. <laughs> it's, it's, it's fine. It's pretty neutral in taste. Uh, it's, it's something that. You know, wouldn't win any awards. I really didn't make it for that purpose. I just wanted to be truly covered in bases on the macronutrients and micronutrients, the antioxidants. Right. And so it's just, just just stuff that I drink up when I want to be efficient with my time and not really have right. to struggle and prepare and transport food. And you always know if you ask a naturopathic doctor, uh, how does how does it taste? If they start with, um, then it's probably the average person. They probably <laughs> would like it, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I'm like that too, though. I could just eat something that tastes like bark. If I know it, ta- it's really good for me. Bring it on. I'm all about that's, it. That's it. it. Right? Who cares? Yeah, it's gonna make a difference. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, Doc, any, any um other things we haven't covered about the book or or this topic that you'd love to um to touch on? Anything else we we haven't? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So the beautiful thing is that adrenal dysfunction. It, it can really reverse. And I really use the term mm. reset intentionally because it can reset promptly. And my my typical experience is that it's rarely more than about three months for people between being on the diet and being on strategic lifestyle steps and maybe some very targeted adaptogens. It's, it's not a long, drawn-out process. And it's so huge for health improving. But also, this is a big barrier for those who have thyroid disease or they're struggling with perimenopause or menopause, for many, this is like the missing link that's holding them back from getting the results they want, especially if they've already been trying to do some treatment but already on some therapies. This is like the last piece of the puzzle. And it's so fast to correct, and it's not that hard to keep it corrected. You know, our bodies have this amazing drive 
to keep us in homeostasis once we're at least in the ballpark of it. <laughs> yeah. And you've had some dramatic results. I know you did a study at your clinic with, with participants on this diet. So what, what what did you find with that? Well, we saw wonderful, wonderful weight loss, wonderful waist loss, you know, so inches, inches lost, like three to five inches for a lot of people in a, in a month, which is pretty cool. But the part mm. that I really love seeing was that at the end of this process, they had healthier adrenal rhythms than they did before by a big measurable margin. And the cool thing about that is, you know, there's so many so many ways in which you can just drop drop some pounds in 30 days. That honestly doesn't impress me too much by itself because that can happen. But in almost all cases, the people who have done that are going to gain weight afterwards because they've gotten deeper into the famine response. But right. in our study, we showed that they were they were in a metabolically healthier state. They had better cortisol rhythms, and that means that they were set up for longer-term success. And that's what we're seeing in their longer-term numbers, that they've been able to keep it off and keep on having more intentional weight loss occur afterwards and then maintain it easily. So that was really, really exciting to me. Yeah. It's not just a diet where you, you uh, you know, really compromise your health to lose some pounds and then you pay for it later. It's a, it's a lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Super, super cool. Well, Doc, I have loved having you on. It's about time I had you on the show. I so appreciate you and what you do for our profession and for the world, and you are such a rock star. So thank you so much for all that you do and all that you give. I appreciate having me. Your show is awesome. You've got a wonderful thing you're doing here. I'm just just honored to help out. Oh, thanks. So where can patients continue to follow you and keep up with what you're doing, and where can they buy the book? Yeah, the easiest thing really is just go to adrenalquiz.com and you can see where your adrenals are and you'll you'll get some responses as far as what the score is. When they're not working right, you know, we didn't mention, but there's very different levels of them not of them being off and you'll learn where your level is and what you can do about it. Um, where you can get the book, anywhere books are sold. Um, all the bookstores, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, iTunes, it's 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 readily available. And that's the adrenal awesome. reset diet. Awesome, Doc. Well, you enjoy your evening and get some good sleep tonight and um, say hello to the wife, and I will uh, hopefully see you very soon. Sounds great. Have a great, great night, Dr. Noel. Thanks so much. Take care. All right, you guys, that is our show. Thanks for listening, and thanks for being patient on a few of the weeks when I wasn't able to get a show up. I appreciate that, you guys. And I absolutely love the iTunes reviews that I've been reading. I feel just so warmed and touched. So if you have listened to the show and you love it and would love to leave a comment on iTunes, I would just love to see that. I read all the reviews. So much love. And check me out, drlaurennoel.com. Check out the new website, shinenaturalmedicine.com. And enjoy the rest of your night, you guys. We'll see you next week. Take care. Bye. North Pole Hotline. Help! My in-laws are hosting Thanksgiving, and we're bringing the dressing. You mean stuffing? No, dressing. I need cute outfits for everyone. Get to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, Old Navy's kicking off the holidays with stylish denim, velvet tops, the season's best dresses, and 40% off your entire purchase now through Tuesday. 40% off? We'll be stuffing our shopping bags full. And don't forget colorful sweaters and amazing outerwear, too. You can even buy online and pick up in store for free. Ooh, I love an all-you-can-wear buffet. Holiday your heart out at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1118 to 1120. Exclusion supplies. See stores for details. Want entertainment designed just for you? Then check out customizable streaming TV from Xfinity. It makes your life simple, easy, awesome. 
Xfinity gives you customizable streaming TV options. Enjoy the most free shows anywhere on any device and even access your streaming apps right on your TV with X1. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. 